some say that the NFL stands for not for long. Teams, players, and coaches who are considered as mainstays can change in an instant. This is part of what makes sports so compelling to begin with. But for the Dolphins, things were going to change for the worse. According to Armando Salguero, on March 31st, 1974, Larry Zonka arranged to have dinner with longtime friend and NFL broadcaster Howard Cosell. He said to Cosell, quote, We may have the biggest story in the history of sports. Two months after their second Super Bowl victory, Zonka, Jim Kick, and star receiver Paul Warfield decided to sign lucrative deals to join the Toronto Northmen of the WFL, which is the World Football League. Their total contracts were said to be worth upwards of $3.5 million. Zonka's contract in particular was said to be worth around $1.3 million, which at the time was a substantial raise in salary, to say the least. Zonka would break it down by saying that at the time, he was making roughly $50,000 a year. They made more in playoff money than they did with their base salaries. The WFL, on the other hand, was offering a chance to make $3.5 million in the space of two and a half years. Put yourself in the shoes of one of the most violent runners in NFL history and ask yourself, should I stay or should I go? When the trio headed north to start negotiations, team owner John Bassett literally laid the money out on the table instead of just talking about it and threatened to take it off the table if they went back to Miami. The night before Cosell reported the news on ABC, Joe Robbie found out about the move from the agent for the players, Ed Keating. Keating told Robbie that the only way the trio would go back to Miami is if the Dolphins were able to match the offer. Robbie had this to say, quote, I asked Mr. Keating to conduct negotiations with us in good faith. I told him at the outset of our conversation that our offers would be substantial. Robbie explained that he and Shula wanted to meet the players in person to negotiate. This request was apparently denied. Instead, Robbie was told that he needed to deposit $3 million in escrow accounts for the players. All of this was supposed to be done over the phone. This sounds like a hostage negotiation. Basically, I get sketched out doing banking over the phone in 2022. Can you imagine doing it in 1974? $3 million in 1974 money. I know. Contrast Bassett's style with the miserly reputation of Joe Robbie, and you start to see the picture come together. Can Robbie be blamed for not wanting to blindly deposit $3 million into an account without so much as seeing them in person? Yeah, totally. And miserly reputation, you know, is an understatement. As we come to learn later on, he was a big cheapskate. Quote, there was never a good rapport with anyone that was drafted in the top rounds, to my knowledge, with Joe Robbie. He was a hard guy to deal with, said Zonka. On March 31st, 1974, Zonka, Kick, and Warfield signed to play three years in the WFL with the Memphis Southmen, formerly the Toronto Northmen. The move would multiply their salaries by more than four. The trio would play for the Dolphins in 1974 and make their way to the WFL in 1975. Zonka explains, quote, So when we jumped to the World Football League, I felt bad to leave Miami. But when they put the money on the table... That changes how you're going to live the rest of your life. Shula wanted me to come back so we could talk to him. I called him and told him, I can't, you know, it's on the table. He said, well, you said you were going to come back here and talk to me. I said, I meant that and I was going to, but it didn't work that way. They got together and said, we're going to buy three of these to command the publicity 
which will catapult the WFL into a recognizable name overnight. And it did. Zonka said, The repercussions of a signing with the WFL probably doubled most of the salaries in the NFL because the threat of the WFL at that time had to be taken seriously. Mercury Morris says the salary went from 55000 to 135000 during a rare negotiation with Joe Robbie. Just as an aside, this is the exact reason that the NFL and AFL merger took place in the first place, right? Because the WFL is trying to start a bidding war for players between them and the NFL. And the NFL was trying to monopolize professional football and succeeded in doing so. The WFL with this move is basically staking their claim, making a move to say, hey, look, the NFL isn't the only place to play your football. Dolphins teammates were obviously disappointed by the news, but were understanding for the most part. Dick Anderson said, quote, you can only play this game for so long. If you took the kind of beating Larry Zonka takes every game, you would understand why he's doing this. I do not feel they are being disloyal to the Dolphins or the National Football League. I knew they were talking to the Toronto people, but I didn't think they'd sign. All I can do is wish them luck. This upstart league made a statement, taking away three stars from the Dolphins as they were primed to create a dynasty. The trio had one more chance to win with the Finns as they were set to join the WFL at the end of the 1974 season. Don Shula was informed that both Bob Kuchenberg and cornerback Tim Foley had rejected the Dolphins' offers in favor of going to the WFL. Luckily for the Dolphins, the latter two deals never materialized. Jake Scott had negotiations with the WFL franchise based in Hawaii. Manny Fernandez was approached by Portland. Jim Mandich by Birmingham. Nick Bonaconti claimed to be in negotiations with two separate WFL franchises, but declined to name them publicly. Unfortunately for Warfield, Zonka, and Kick, the WFL folded in 1975, 12 weeks into the season. This was perhaps partially due to the exorbitant contracts they were offering to entice players away from the NFL in the first place. Warfield ended up back with the Cleveland Browns to round off his career. Jim Kick signed with the Denver Broncos and finished his career in Washington. After 99 carries for 421 yards and one touchdown in his WFL career, Zonka was suddenly without his team, negotiating with a betrayed Joe Robbie to come back to the Dolphins. The massive mountain of a man had to come back to his boss with his tail between his legs and ask for his job back. It wasn't all bad for Zonka, though. Of the $1.3 million in his contract, Zonka estimates that he collected around $1 million of that, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, especially for 1970s, I think either of us would definitely jump at the chance. And I think Dick Anderson puts it best. Zonka is out there taking a beating. Like the last section we told you about him getting kicked and punched and his nose is broken and all this stuff. And if you quadruple your salary for doing the same thing, I think I would take that chance. Most definitely. As expected, negotiations with Robbie and the Dolphins brass did not go smoothly. According to Zonka, Robbie would not speak to him until he had written a figure down for his salary. Zonka did not want to lowball himself. So he came up with a number and sent it to Robbie. Robbie did not respond, but instead sent it right to the Miami Herald with an emphatic no. The figure that had apparently been proposed was $2 million. Quote, so salty. So salty. Quote, I felt like I'd been set up, said Zonka. It all turned into newspapers and money at that point. However, Zonka's talent and pedigree 
were enough to earn him a contract with the New York Giants on the same terms that had been rejected by Joe Robbie just a week prior. Although Jim Kick sought a reunion with his buddy, former defensive coordinator turned Giants head coach Bill Arnsparger said no to the idea. Jim Kick explained, quote, Arnsparger and I didn't really get along really well anyway. He felt that I was a bad influence on Zonka and he didn't really want me to be there with Zonka. Kick ended up going to the Broncos instead. Unfortunately for Zonka, his tenure in the Big Apple was marred by injuries. Zonka ended up tearing some knee ligaments, meaning he was not as explosive as before. His most memorable moment in blue was as part of the miracle at the Meadowlands, where he and quarterback Joe Pisarczyk botched an exchange at the end of a near-certain victory to hand the rival Eagles a victory in New York. Listen to our Giants series for a more detailed breakdown of the circumstances surrounding the debacle. Episode 4, Miracle at the Meadowlands. Sanka did sneak into one of the Dolphins team meetings before an exhibition game with the Giants, helped by Larry Little and Bob Kuchenberg, and much to the surprise of Don Shula. Needless to say, Zonka was left feeling disappointed after his time with the G-Men. He would go on to tell Sports Illustrated, quote, I just want one more go around. I'm not satisfied with what happened in New York. I'm not satisfied being a spot player. Don Shula eventually convinced Joe Robbie to sign Zonka back for the 1979 season, but made it clear to Larry that he still had to earn his spot on the team. Zonka would also say, quote, I gave retirement a great deal of thought the last two years with the Giants because they weren't using me at all. And granted, I wanted to come back. I was just home and I'm finally home again. Not only did he do that, he also ran for 837 yards and had a career-high 13 total touchdowns in 1979 en route to winning Comeback Player of the Year. He would average the same 3.8 yards per carry that he did four years prior, but ended up feeling the effects of 25 to 30 carries a game at that point. Quote, I had some really bad Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings, let me tell you. Zonka finished his Dolphins career with 1,891 carries, 8,081 total yards, and 64 touchdowns. Larry Zonka eventually retired at the end of the season due to failed contract negotiations. He was a Dolphins franchise leader in rushing yards with 6,737. He would also be inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1987. He is universally considered to be one of, if not the greatest fullback in NFL history. Zonka was always good for a quote, and here's one that we found from America's Game that sums up his passion for football. Quote, the only thing I miss about football is about five seconds, five seconds in the huddle, right before you break the huddle and go up to the line of scrimmage. When you have five of the best offensive linemen that are in tune with you, Wayne Moore, Bob Kuchenberg, Jim Langer, Larry Little, and Norm Evans, and I'm looking across at them, this is the game where we're going 17-0. and We're putting the final emphasis on a perfect season. Each one of them is looking at me going, run behind me. They're all pointing to themselves, going, anything happens, drift to me. And Bob Kuchenberg grabs me by my face mask and says, you better stick your helmet up my ass this play because we're going in the end zone. When you have people that intent on victory, you got to just marvel. If I could go back for anything, I'd like to go back in a time machine just to live those five seconds and looking in the eyes of those men because that was the most confidence I've ever felt in my life about anything. And listen, there's a reason why many of those guys made it into the Hall of Fame. 
when you've been undefeated, you don't really have a reason not to be confident, right? For as much as Zonko was passionate about the game, he knew what a physical toll it took on him. Clearly had aspirations outside the game. According to Freeman, he told a group of reporters in 1972, quote, My left leg is turning yellow. My back is turning blue. Sometimes I wish I had studied harder in college so I could be a veterinarian and go around petting dogs on the head. What is the single most expendable item in the NFL? The players. They can run out of a lot of things, but they can always find more players. Here's another quote. Who says you have to win every game? They always make money. And they can always find more bodies, which is all they need. The game goes on. Which is actually, as an aside, is pretty smart. I mean, even 50 years ago, the players realized what kind of danger they were getting themselves into, right? It's not like they were completely blind to the risks. Zonka was also ahead of his time in terms of censorship in the media. On the front page of Sports Illustrated in August 1972, he and Jim Kick are shown posing in their equipment by the goalposts on a football field. Kick is leaning up against the goalpost and smiling while Zonka is sitting down. Zonka's right hand is resting on his leg. The astute observer would see that Zonka's hand is giving the middle finger to the camera. What was supposed to be a goofy B-roll shot ended up on the cover of the magazine, which resulted in Zonka getting many letters from outraged fans in response to his incredibly obscene and inappropriate gesture. This is where we see Zonka's intelligence and self-awareness shining through. Freeman quotes Zonka as saying, There are a lot of other things to straighten out and write letters about. People are just not aware of the intelligence of today's youth. I don't see how displaying the middle digit of my hand will bring the nation down to rubble. Maybe I'm hard to understand, but I shouldn't be. I'm no extremist. I'm against players going around portraying themselves as non-drinkers and non-smokers and non-swearers in the belief that this is going to make all the little children grow up to be fine church-going men. I drink some. I smoke some. I swear some but I try to live the right kind of life for myself and my family. I'm not going to try and pass myself off as a saint for the purposes of advertising. Despite his rough style, Larry Zonka was known as an introspective and intelligent teammate by the rest of the Dolphins. He even criticized Richard Nixon for encouraging youth football without relaying the risks. Quote, what I object to is that when it comes from him, from the president, it's as if he has sanctioned all of football. That football is just naturally wonderful for everyone, Zonka told Sports Illustrated in 1972. Parents start pushing a kid toward the game without realizing the dangers in it. You see it in these little leagues. Poor equipment, poor coaching, some 25-year-old frustrated jock making kids run 8,000 laps. And gassers, a kid gets his nose broke, and the coach yells at him and calls him a coward and shames him. Hey kids, listen to adults, especially if he was a coach, they start to believe. Maybe a kid believes he can't compete, that he is a coward. If a kid's not ready to hit or be hit, he shouldn't have to. Larry Zonka was as active off the field after his career as he was on it. After retiring in 1980, he would go on to become the general manager of the Jacksonville Bulls in the USFL from 1983 to 1986. He and Jim Kick were also involved in some promotional events for the franchise, which was regarded as one of the best-run franchises in the league. He would stay in the collective consciousness of the public by appearing in several commercials for the Miller Brewing Company and becoming a spokesman. He also had several appearances on outdoor television shows and was also the host of the original 
American Gladiators from 1990 to 1993. As soon as he could, Sonka decided to move to Alaska, a passion he has had since he was eight years old. Quote, my life has always been a battle between football and Alaska. He claims that this is where he was when he was daydreaming in practice, and Shula would yell at him. He claims that his mother bought him a wildlife magazine with a picture of a Kodiak bear on it, and the rest is history. As his website states, for 16 seasons, he and Audrey Bradshaw hosted and produced the outdoor adventure slash travelogue series, Napa's North to Alaska. This top-rated, nationally televised program aired on NBCSN, showcasing adventures in the last frontier. It's people, culture, wildlife, rich history, and Larry's enthusiasm for outdoor sports and conservation. Zonka has also been a keynote speaker at several events and continues to market himself as such. Here are his thoughts on retirement. Quote, Every time that I've announced that I'm retiring, I get busier than before I announced I was retiring. I would like to tell you it's because I'm very talented and multifaceted and all that. Well, that's all horseshit. I'm lucky. I was lucky when I got drafted by the Dolphins. And then Shula comes and we win. People buying me drinks, buying me dinner. Beautiful women walk up and ask for my autograph. Suddenly, there's a new league that comes along and offers you several million dollars laying on the table. Me, Kick, and Warfield looked at each other and said, Damn, we're lucky again. I'm coming out of retirement. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm at the farm talking to my mom and dad. All of a sudden, the phone rings. It's Miller Brewing Company. They want to hire me to drink beer and have a good time. I got done with that. Went back to the farm. The phone rings. Outdoor TV wants to hire me to hunt and fish. End up in Alaska hunting and fishing. Sonka said to the Miami Herald in 2006, Kurt Gowdy was my hero. He hunted and fished and got paid for it. And I thought, there's a lesson to be learned here. He goes on, live longer out here. It's just so tranquil that I think it gets you in your DNA. People were doing these things for centuries, and now they're just sitting around in their houses looking at TV sets. Zonka currently lives in Wasila, Alaska, with his partner Audrey and Yellow Lab Lace. They also have a home in Florida and a farm in Ohio. He and his partner also have hunting and fishing expeditions in Alaska called Dream Trips. According to Armando Salguero, quote, He was also once fished out of the Bering Sea's building-sized waves by a Coast Guard rescue helicopter after a boat he was on wasn't quite as hardy as it needed to be. He has a song named after him on Action Bronson's mixtape, Dr. Lecter, which is definitely worth a listen for anyone who hasn't already. Sonka is still available as a keynote speaker and runs a monthly newsletter about football, Alaska, and his various speaking engagements. Be sure to follow him on LinkedIn for more updates. So, Theo... What can we learn from Larry Zonka? The man is absolutely relentless in all of his pursuits. Despite a rough upbringing, he persevered and became one of the most respected players in NFL history and a Hall of Famer. He never stopped working on his craft, but he also didn't let that stop him from making the most of his life and keeping a sense of humor. From the number of times that he and Joe Robbie went back and forth during contract negotiations, we can learn to always put yourself first, although that probably has as much to do with Joe Robbie as it does Larry Zonka. Zonka didn't let anything slow him down. Transitioning into a career in media and also pursuing his passion for the great outdoors in one fell swoop, the man is a walking quote machine and is one of the most entertaining players I've had the chance to research while doing this podcast. Larry Zonka is an absolute legend. 
Thanks for listening to the Check Down Charlie's podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Don't forget to follow us at CheckDCharlie's on Twitter and at CheckDownCharlie's on Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe on all platforms, and don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.